Welcome to the Educate US podcast with your host, Nick Saveri, Dr. Stacy Schultz, and Dr. Patrice Fenton. Three former teachers and administrators talking about a wide range of topics happening in education. Time to educate us. Folks, you all know the deal. The Educate US show at gmail.com is the place to write us. Lately, though, actually, I should share this at the start. I don't know. Patrice and Stacey, if this has happened to you, but is there a particular episode that people have been coming back to you to say that they've listened to really resonate with them? The episode we did, like where it's really first happened to me actually was when we talked about, talked about Frank, I've had probably, I would say three or four people like just text me out of the blue people who I didn't even know, listened to the show was like, Hey, I appreciated that conversation. I needed that. I'm paraphrasing what she said. I'm going to leave with that question today. Um, particular episode, segment, what have people approached you the most about? No one's not, no one has come to me about a specific episode yet, per se. It's more so the anticipation of what we'll talk about next, which I appreciate just the same. It, says, it tells me that we're talking about topics that people are caring about. Um, and it also excites me to sort of expand our reach. We talk about this a lot, like, and we have done this so far, but just going a bit outside of what might be considered traditional education topics, um, as I think there's an appetite for it out there. Um, and just, you know, being able to speak on things from our perspectives as educators and leaders, I think, um, is it. But yeah, just just that that anticipation of what what's up next, I think, has been the, the main thread for folks. Therese, I'm really curious. Does anybody give you ideas like, hey, are you going to talk about this? <laughs> they haven't, but you know, now that pushes me to ask that question, you know? Yeah. So that's a good one. Thank you. What I hear is like connections to like specific things that were shared or said um, by us or our guests. And people really like certain phrases or ideas resonate. Um, definitely the episodes we've had where we've had our young people on, particularly our children, right? People have connected to, oh, it was really interesting to hear the way they spoke about X or Y. Um, also just the way we talk about school and being seen or not seen or the purpose of it and people connecting their own schooling experience um, and how that has prepared or not prepared them for the world. And so that is a lot of um, what I hear more from, from friends and from family. I appreciate it from you both. Um, it's funny earlier, I think just not too long ago, I saw, I will say like a metric that stood out to me is I'm seeing more people, at least through LinkedIn, like liking the program. And I'm one, it's made me wonder about, are we having on guests that are like, you know, just like sharing more. And we have a really cool group of people. That's a community that's starting to emerge of these great practitioners of education, thought leaders and thought partners. Um, so I come into this conversation today about black history month and the word I use off, you know, well off microphone now on microphone is disillusionment and wonder. Um, like anyone else, you know, at, you know, as a student in American schools, Dr. King's holiday always stands out to me for many reasons. The saddest of which is as someone who's been out of school for a while now, 
thinking back to how the the march on washington the i have a dream speech keeps getting clipped and clipped and clipped and now it's to the point where it's cheapened honestly um and when we go into black history month we're an interesting place because for the past few years there's been intentional efforts to try to really undo elements of our history behind me is a copy of the 1619 project so a couple of years ago this book comes out there's a podcast there's a great series in the new york times really just opening the door to a just really introspective and powerful discussion of our nation's history and you all saw when i say you all I'm talking to listeners for this moment you all saw the backlash to that how fast did quote unquote academics fire back and say well there's problems with the research and even the white house with the former president saying well we're going to launch the 1776 project and it just was amazing to me just to see how quickly there was a, a negative response of like this isn't true how dare you i guess all i'm saying as a start is have the naysayers kind of won this argument where all this negativity since the 1619 project since many ways since really 2020 like has there been such animosity of question so much as even questioning like our understanding of american history that now we see these moments when we're trying to not trying to but like it's in place of what really happened and understanding it from the view from like just you know what we should be understanding is patrice i go to you first here of i use the word let's play it this way i say black history month if it's asked of me if i'm playing a game of word association disillusionment is the word that comes to me i'll play this game with you both patrice i say black history month you say what it's a really good question <laughs> it's so funny because it's not a word it's more of like a noise it's like meh. it's not that i don't value it because i do I'm a black woman. I care about my own history, um, especially in this country, given the context. Um, it's so funny. I was with a group of women the other day and they had mentioned the concept of late stage capitalism. And it made me really, I've been reflecting on that concept for the last few days since. And yeah, I just, this country has a way to kind of tap into your word, Nick, it just has a way of watering things down, quite honestly, just ruining things, <laughs> things that uh, once had value or held value. Um, and so it's not that I don't still value it. I do. Uh, a number of, of folks that I know really see this as an everyday thing for us anyway. So the month is not so much more than an important acknowledgement that we see, but not something that we're necessarily toting because this is something we carry daily, you know? Um, and it's just, it's a, and it's a daily fight, right? Because of the things we've discussed on this program, right? Having to fight for book bans and um, DEI and, you know, things like the 1619 project, which is like, you just don't want me to tell the truth about what happened here. <laughs> like, so it, it's just, it's, it's just such an ongoing thing. Um, I see the merit in it because it just also makes me wonder, it's such a fight 
what would be happening if it didn't exist? <laughs> right? Like we still need it clearly. And if it wasn't there, what would it, what might this fight look like? You know? Um, so yeah, it's just, it, 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 it's a mixed bag for me. I must say, I don't want to ever, I don't think it should be done away with. I think there's value in it. It, I just don't know that it holds the same weight for me now that it wants to. Yeah. Just a word is, is really hard, but there's a quote, um, that Obama gave in one of his addresses, um, for black history Month when he was in the white house and, you know, the quote is that Black History Month shouldn't be treated as though it is somehow separate from our collective American history or somehow just boiled down to a compilation of greatest hits from the March on Washington or from some of our sports heroes. And I think, you know, to what Patrice was saying is that, yeah, it, it, we need to still we need to do that because there are parts of our country and parts of our curriculum, you know, last year we, or yeah, last year in the fall, we had Akil Bello on and talking about, right. The, the whole like AP um, African-American history course that was in Florida, right. Being kind of written out and, uh, and watered down. Right. And so it's like, come back to that idea, Patricia, you're saying like there are these battles across the country of, well, what does that look like? And who is that making uncomfortable? If we talk about that history um, and that collective history, but you know, how do we even begin to heal and move forward collectively as a country if we can't all acknowledge the history and all the beautiful parts of the people that live here and have made this country um, you know, and I think those are the missed opportunities when we when we are constantly battling about what's talked about, what's not talked about. How is it talked about? Who's going to get hurt? Who, instead of you know, hey, we're humans, and how about we talk about that experience together? You both sometimes think of Black History as like an, as an effort to like almost serve as a scaffold to recognize that. You know, the voices and the contributions of non-white people was just simply simply ignored. And like I use the word scaffold here because you'd think after so many years of that being in place that it would simply, you know, we're talking about American history, period, end of sentence. But does that feel like we're still in a place where we need these, we need to have a, a black history month as a country because we're simply not there yet? Like we still parse and argue about contributions and see, I really love when you talk about, you know, like who feels like wrong, like who's not comfortable with the conversation. Like, yeah. Is that, is that where we're at? Where after so many years, like this feels like we're still do, we're still doing this or what comes next, I guess is sort of what, where I'm at with this. Yeah. I mean, that was like the purpose, right. Of black history was to not limit hey, we talk about this in February, but to really um, encourage a broadened like awareness and consciousness. Um, yeah, so I mean, before we hit record, right, we're just having a little chat. I think that was the most, that's the most surprising thing to me is that all these decades later, we still haven't achieved that. 
Um, and that's a little bit disheartening, right? Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, not a little bit, it's a lot disheartening. <laughs> um, and, and that we're still having the same, um, the same fights, right? And I, and I don't want to say that we're in the same place we've been, like maybe there's been progress here and there in some ways, but uh, you would have thought, and I'm sure, you know, when they created Black History Month, they would have thought that by, you know, 2024, <laughs> we'd be much further along in, in what our country's consciousness and conversations would be. Yeah, I mean, what we're talking what now at this point, a hundred, almost a hundred years, almost of this, I guess you could call it tradition of having this, well, it started out as a week, but having this month of honoring this part of our history. Um, it just, it really does go to show though one, that change happens incrementally. Um, and and, and to, that, to that point, it it just, yeah, it, it just, it, it's not, things are just not as different, I think, as people might think. Lots has changed on the books, but I remember um, Professor James, who we've had on the show, you, she talked about this in her class, you cannot legislate attitudes you cannot legislate you legislate people legislate people's um ways of being right and those things are the things that get passed down from generation to generation um and so that's why you get to see people in uh, an uproar about the 1619 project and uh people feeling like it's okay to ban certain books and uh people feeling like dei is going to ruin organizations or whatever that narrative is it's why that still gets to exist so this is why I feel like we could we couldn't do away with it as much as it doesn't really hold the same palpable power for me individually as it once did we just can't we can't afford to because without it who really knows what will end up happening and at this point I mean I don't know the extent to which institutions are really honoring it authentically anyway, uh, meaningfully, especially when I think about our schools, right? There's this like this additive to that quote you just shared, Stacey, from um, Obama, this like additive approach where it's like this add-on thing as opposed to just part of the fabric of what we learn. Um, so so yeah, it, it, it seems like it's, it's still not only still necessary, but will be for quite some time. Um, similar to Women's History Month, like we still have to make a point to celebrate women and their their contributions. It's like, what <laughs> are we <laughs> as a country? But this is who we are. That's the reality. So yeah, we, we still do need the scaffold and I think that we will. And yeah, it's just gonna take a lot of time and a lot of commitment on the side of those of us who know what an equitable and just society or care about creating an equitable and just society, I should say. I think you both are hitting on a larger, not that I think you both are hitting on this larger conversation about, you know, being comfortable with truly what our history is, you know, good, bad, and different. So I think about this all back in school for a moment and thinking about like when this time of the year comes along. 
And as I'm asking this question, I'm sort of sitting in my head thinking like, yeah, how was this introduced to me? And was there particular figures that like were introduced to me during this month that sort of resonate with me like, you know, forevermore. Um, but yeah, when we, when we entered the February, what was sort of like the mood of the school that you were, that you're thinking of, and you could also even go to when you both were teachers and what would sort of stand out to you? I use the example of like particular historical figures that like light was shedded upon them in February, but for you both students or as educators, what would come up for you when you were like in a classroom? Yeah. And I think this is part of the thing. And I was actually trying to recall this as we started the conversation. It was like going through my mind, like, what was this like for me as I was in school? I'll name that it's kind of hard for me to remember. So that says a lot. <laughs> um, but I also feel like it was quite a bit of what you just said, Nick, the historical figures. Martin Luther King, even though we just celebrated him, right? He was a staple and rightfully so. But it's like there, there's so much more, obviously, to Black history than just Martin Luther King. Um, and maybe like a Frederick Douglass, the civil rights movement, you know, in, in writ large, right? So not just Martin Luther King, obviously, was a central figure. So yes, but also, you know, the other figures, Rosa Parks and the like. Um, but even with that, I didn't get so, you know, as I've mentioned, our co-founded an organization named after Ella Baker. Didn't know by Ella Baker too long, was quite older, right? So, and she was a main, like a, a super force in the civil rights movement. So even in that, like as certain points in history were introduced, they were very surface level, you know? Um, we may have met, read some black authors. So I remember it's now coming back to me slowly. Langston Hughes was very popular. So we'd read Langston Hughes poetry. Um, I do remember at some points or Neil Hurston, you know, so it was again, like very figure based, which is fine. That's one perspective. But as I've gotten older, I've seen people got uh, get a lot more creative and thinking about inventions and like contributions um, local leadership, right? Thinking about um, history in a more like tangible way. Like what are the local histories of your community, right? And those people and those figures and those groups that sort of helped um, your community to grow and to thrive and looking at, you know, Black history through that lens and that perspective. Um, but yeah, for me, it was really like, sort of like a cookie cutter, Thing. We'd have an assembly, you know, we'd gather, we'd sing some songs. You remember assemblies? I don't even know if they still do assemblies. I was talking to my partner about this the other day. You know, we had to dress up in the white, white top and a blue skirt and we'd come to the auditorium and get on stage and people would sing poems, say poems and sing songs. And we all had that little collective moment. Um, but yeah, it was very like, I don't know, episodic. It felt like it wasn't something that really stuck with me at any one point or another. And I went to predominantly black schools in terms of the student body. High school, I had a really, I, what I thought was pretty um, diverse teaching staff. Um, but then once I got to high school and I went to high school, A. Philip Randolph High School, so another civil rights leader, um, I feel like it was a lot more woven into our studies, but I could also be making that up to be quite honest. <laughs> So yeah, I don't, I, I just don't, nothing sticks with me in my memory anyway of anything super duper meaningful, if I'm being honest. 
I mean, yes, I agree with you, Patrice. There's like little trickles that come to mind of of that as well. Like definitely the assembly. Definitely, um, I remember sort of reading like facts of contributions or people over the loudspeaker every morning in February, right? Um, I remember that. Uh, but I do remember more depth of conversation being also intertwined throughout. And I, and, and maybe because I grew up in, in Philly, in Philadelphia, and a big part of like the history of Philadelphia is, um, you know, centered on Black experience and Black people. And so I think there was, there was a lot of that. And even just walking around the community in Philadelphia and seeing the art and having conversations about, about that, um, and you know the churches and and Frederick Douglass and right and all so there there was a lot more um, I remember sort of authentically intertwined uh, into that conversation. Um, I also was lucky in high school to have a, a bunch of high school teachers who were more about like liberated movements, and so we learned a lot about liberated movements and um, read more throughout the year in a more like circular way of like, what is the American experience and challenging that question of, well, who, who has told the story? Um, but where are the, where else can we go to understand the story? Right. And sort of this like um, disruptive look disruptive because not a lot of people are doing it, but really to me, it was like, beautiful and synergetic look of like what is our history and who are we as a as a full people um and so that was that was really important and then as an educator uh yeah continue to explore that in sort of a set through essential questions like you know what is power um what are power dynamics what is resistance um you know what is liberation uh and I remember working um, alongside some co-teachers and and looking at, you know, the Black and Africa African diaspora with students and like exploring that and looking at history in that way, uh, having speakers come in, authors, right? Um, so I think there's there's a lot of opportunity, uh, and not all educators I think know even where to go because probably in their school settings they might not have experienced that <laughs> and and so where how do we do this in an integrated more um, collective story path you know when we think about you know the educators that listen to this show like what how do we rebuild our relationship you know potentially to to a black history month to a women's history month it is interesting because we're we're having this conversation and i think we've all been sort of blowing past the idea of February and the, you know, and particularly black history, but to like reframing, like re-understanding or just realizing that like our history, as we understand it, is so much more multidimensional and, and involves so many, so many other voices. Um, what comes up for you both as opportunities that can be placed upon educators and, and parents as well of, I would say just like rethinking their relationship to black history month. I think the thing that comes to mind for me most is really centered around critical thinking um, and the need to center that above all things. 
because even in thinking about the fact that Carter G. Woodson chose February for the reasons that he did, among which was, you know, aligning with presidents' uh, birthdays, holidays, also Frederick Douglass, so there's that, um, but Abraham Lincoln, and I'm like, yeah, Emancipation Proclamation, sure, but he had other motives. He wasn't really just about, oh, I want Black people to be free, right? So there's even some, there's a level of critique and probing even there, right, in the origin story of this month that we've been talking about. So I just think there's um, there's an invitation here, or at least an opportunity to invite young people to think about these things. Why do we even need this month? What's the point? Uh, we still have it. What do we do with it? What, how, do we, how do we activate on it? How do we carry it beyond this month so that we make the month not necessary anymore and get young people thinking about that so that it truly does become the fabric of how history is told um, and not an add-on that we, we, we need. Um, so it's not the scaffold, to use the word you used earlier, Nick. So we don't need the scaffold anymore. And that's the point of the scaffold, right? Like you shouldn't have to need it in perpetuity right? It should be there for a short term and for a very specific purpose. So how do we get young people thinking about that and, and, and moving the needle in that regard? You know, what's coming up for me is that, um, you know, I'm just coming out of a program, a course right now um, from Georgetown, and, and this was about identity and this course. And when we engaged in pre-work, it was... Um, Unpacking your unique cultural lens, a guide to cultural competency. And that connects to me because I think where we're what we're not doing enough on in schools is having kids continue to build that like reflective self-aware muscle. Because the more we can understand about, you know, who we are as individuals and how that's growing and changing the more we can begin to understand what is our impact on others too, and what is their story and where do our stories um, meet and what can we learn from each other and how can we grow together? And I think that's really important um, to really embracing this larger picture for everyone to not feel like there's like almost like a fear or a threat in the air <laughs> of like, well, what happens to my story then if, if I share it, like if I share the space, right. And, and it's like, no, there's room for everybody's story here. So how do you really, and, and the beauty of everybody's story and the complexity of everyone's um, lens is just so powerful. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity for that because the more we can do that and challenge ourselves about, well, what are our biases that come in and how do they potentially impact others so that we can shift that, right? Our intentions around that and our impact, and then therefore opening ourselves more towards that collective, um, you know, space, right? That collective history that really is American history. 
um, that has been told through one lens for too long. This is why I enjoy the show with you both, because what I, I feel refreshed from what you both shared of this idea of reimagining what the relationship we can have, not just with Black History Month, but recognizing, you know, what does it look like to, to sort of explore cultural identification through, through history, like being able to give space to like, what is our cultural lens? How do we get to lend itself in, in what it should be, which is a positive way, like recognizing that, yes, we're different, but we're all contributing. I think the other thing that comes to me too is Stacey, you're talking about how this often, this can come back to a problem that we see. And I'll go ahead and generalize to sort of Westernized civilization, but scarcity thinking that oftentimes the pushback of, you know, Black History Month, similar to Women's History Month, is like, well, for if we're doing that, like, who are we not talking about? And it's like, you're missing the point. Like, there's a reason why we've had to do this, because there was one version of this narrative that's just simply there, that's in textbooks regularly, that people aggressively <laughs> fight for to make sure that that's the only version of this story that we're hearing. And to that end, we'll leave that conversation here. To the educators that t- continue to have that relationship, that talk about you know, the contributions of African-Americans and present it in a way to say that this is part of the fabric of American history. Thank you for continuing to do that to the principals and the school boards that make sure that our history is not being undone, that try to fight the good fight. We thank you for that as well. As always, be sure to reach out to us. As many of you do as friends of the show, we appreciate it. As we talked about at the start here, continue to reach out to us, engage Again, as I mentioned before, seeing more people you know, giving us the thumbs up and you know the positive reviews, you know through LinkedIn, super appreciative if you are able to do that. Also on the apps where you find our show and listen to it, by all means, continue to do so. We will of course return to you all. Continue the conversation of how education in the U.S. can continue to be better. As always, I'm Nick Saveri on behalf of Dr. Patrice Fenton, Dr. Stacy Schultz. Thank you for listening. <laughs>